0: I'm Devorah Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Good morning, everybody. So we're continuing in the Zahlus of... (laughs) Adin <laughs> Yehuda ben Shmuel Yosef. Adin Yehuda ben Shmuel Yosef. We're continuing our series on jealousy, kin'ah. And um, anybody want a refuel shalema for anybody on the top of your head? I'll say refugito bas Yehudis.
1: I have Aria, Moshe ben Yaman, ben Orna. Okay.
0: Bas Yibasara. Bas I have Zalman Yehuda ben Lani, Vega, and Eliyahu Ben Beth, and Okay. I've got Ruben and Elia, Ben and Deborah, uh, and Susan, and Roy. Okay, and Rivka, 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 and Basara. Okay, so we are just going to review a little bit because we've been talking about the, um, the mida of jealousy, kin'a, which we said is a very human emotion, a very intense emotion when it overtakes us. And we talked about there's different types of jealousy. The first one we were discussing was the idea of tsaras ayin, and that is when you don't even need what the other person necessarily has, but you just don't like that they have it. And we gave the example of the talmidim of Rabbi Akiva. In one of the Gemaras, it says not only that they didn't show each other kavod one for the other, but that they had saras ayin towards one another. And Rabbi Friedlander explained that they are they're both go together because the internal not wanting what the other person to have a certain thing is going to manifest itself and having a very difficult time treating the person properly or with any kind of kavod. Because when you feel that way about another person, there's this kind of a cold war that develops and even it can even turn into a hatred, even though the person really didn't do anything, um, but except for being in your face with whatever that thing is that you don't want them to have. So, you know, we think of this as a really horrible type of kinna, but the truth is, is it's very common and you know, if we're a little more conscious and aware of our own thoughts and and feelings. I I mean, for myself, when I was first, you know learning this I thought oh that's horrible and she even says that's evil like how could you think that way I don't even need it and I don't want you to have it but I'm just saying that if we are more self-aware and conscious even if there's just a little schmeck of it if the, if, if the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva had it called the Chomer you know that we our puny little selves here don't entertain such ideas from time to time so it's just interesting to be aware of it so we talked about, but again, just to, to, to make that very clear that we are not responsible for our primary response, right? We're human. We have feelings. We have emotions. They get the better of us sometimes. We can't help it. But what Hashem wants is that we work to have a better secondary response because the primary response is, is, is a teacher, is an inner teacher. It's telling us something's wrong, something, you know, we're not evolved in a certain area. We need to shine a flashlight over here and see what it is that we need to to work to correct. And that's all good, as long as we don't leave it in the place of regesh and never move it to the place of sechel, which is now, what do I do about it? What practically can I do so that I don't have these feelings? So the first thing we said, just a quick review, is we talked about bitachon as one of the antidotes. And we said that in the Gemara in Yoma, it says a person doesn't affect another person's good fortune, even by a hair's breadth. Right. That nobody we talked about the pizza pie, that nobody can take a slice of my pie, even though I have this illusion that you are taking a very big slice of my pie. Hey, what do you think you're doing? (laughs) You know, there's not going to be enough left for me. You just dove into the pool that I was. You know, that's my pool of, of resources. So, bitachon is, number one, this idea that, no, every single person has his own pizza pie, and nobody can take what is not yours, what is not theirs. Anything I'm supposed to get, I'm going to get, and um, that we shouldn't feel threatened by other people. So... And again, we talked about that Hashem has all the resources, that there's no limit on, you know, the fact that He can give them and He can also give you. And, and it's not like there's less, you know, um, because somebody else has something. Hi, good morning. The other thing we talked about is this idea of positive interdependence. So we said that society is based on negative inter- interdependence, which is your success is my failure. You know, there can only be one winner, right? And so, you know, if I don't win, you are a threat to to me because we're in a competition. And, you know, this is easy to see in business and, you know, even in subtle things like, um, you know, whatever, intelligence, kids in school. uh, There can only be one valedictorian. There can only be one person who wins the race. But the Jewish idea is positive interdependence. Putting the other person on your team, because in reality, especially with the Jewish people, probably with the world at large, right? Each one of us, when we are successful, it spells success for the entire Jewish people. And when we fail, you know, when we read about a Jew in the news that's done something horrible, we all go, ah, and we all feel terrible, right? Because it's incredible and, and the non Jews of the world know this about us, that we have this incredible interdependence where we really see each other as one family with one heart. You know, we just read it this uh this week's parsha, Ishahad That's how they were at Har Sinai, and that's how that's our natural state of being. And so we have to kind of integrate this idea that How could I feel badly that you got something good, because your good is my good? The same way a parent would never feel that way about a child, about their child, jealous of the child being successful, unless they need some therapy, right? Do you know the story of Cinderella? No. Cinderella, yeah, yeah, right,
1: yes. I was told that it wasn't her stepmother, but it was
0: the original tale was it was her mother, uh huh, which is very interesting. Well, there is—I mean, there is an interesting psychological thing between teenage daughters and mothers. And yes. I once read something that I thought was brilliant that said that the same time when teenage daughters are sort of in their prime mm-hmm. of beauty, mm-hmm. that's when the mother is generally declining in beauty, and feeling her age, and feeling like ah. So that this kind of uh, difficult relationship that goes on sometimes between mothers and daughters on a very subconscious level. has to do with those kind of dynamics on a deeper level that can be going on. So it's not the craziest thing in the world to say, you know, maybe mothers could be jealous of their daughters on some deeper subconscious level. Obviously, you know, if it gets out of hand, it's a big problem. But, you know, the idea that, generally speaking, and the Gemara says it, you're not typically jealous of your children or your students. You want your children to do better than you. You want them to go further, even if all it is is, uh, even if for the only reason that you could brag about them, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the same thing with the student. You know, hopefully if you're a proper Rebbe or teacher, you, you welcome that question that stumps you. And, you know, you're happy to become the mentor of somebody who will go further than you. So that is also part of the feelings that we're supposed to have when it comes to recognizing that the success of other people and of other uh, other yidden are our success too because we're all we're all interdependent um so you know it's almost like a little bit narcissistic that their success is my success but that's how we're supposed to feel and the more you invest in other people even if it's emotionally and mentally right even if you're playing the game that this is my child, this is my student, like how would I feel? The more you see somebody as a part of you, then the more you're, you feel their success is yours. So it's all about feeling that, you know, we're all connected and that's something we have to work on. And the last idea is, again, that um, jealousy is an extremely intense emotion. It's overwhelmingly intense. And so another etza for combating it is to combat it with an equally intense emotion. So it's like a person almost has to become histrionic and extremely dramatic when they hear about other people's simchas. I mean, I think in the firm world, people are great at that, you know. I Did I tell you about that woman who went to a firm wedding for the first time and she said she, was so, she thought it was so nice because... Everybody was wishing each other mazel tov. Mm-hmm. You know, mazel tov mazel tov, mazel tov, mazel tov, Even if they weren't in the wedding party or they were just guests there. So she said she was going to try it out at a secular wedding that, you know, she went to some <laughs> <laughs> secular dessert, which is the usual right? And she's going up to people going, mazel tov, And they're going, it's not my daughter. My daughter. Like, what are you mazel toving me for? Like, you know, like, leave me out of this. Whatever the point is, is that we don't even recognize how just being in the from world so many things are built into, you know, this, 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 this learning of recognizing that it's everybody's simcha. You know, it's, it's, it makes us all proud. We've all got nachas from your kid, right? We all want your kid to do well. We all, we're all, you know, bursting with pride. So that is something that we take for granted, but it is not out there in the world at large. I mean, the competitiveness is much, much greater. And the kinna that people have to deal with is huge, and then of course we have social media today, which you know obviously makes things even more mm-hmm. extreme. And if you don't, if you don't even have the concepts that we know we have or are supposed to have, then it's really difficult to find your way back. You know, unless you had really good breeding or upbringing, and you know great role models out there in the world, they just don't have the principles. To, to even measure themselves against. So we're Bor Hashem, we're very blessed. We you know we're we're in the we're in the race at least, you know. Um so you have to be zealous about wanting other people's good and extremely enthusiastic when you hear about somebody else's good. So again you kind of even if you're not feeling it, your first feeling is this pain, this stab Ugh! I wish my daughter was getting married. Oh, I wish, you know, my husband was doing well in business. Ugh! I wish this, I wish that. We kind of have to try and overcome that primary response with amazing. That's fantastic. Wow, that's great. Right. And really try to put it on externally so that we become more and more convinced that we should feel very happy internally for, for somebody else. Okay. Um. So really that antidote is called Ayin Tova, right? So that's another antidote to Kina and specifically Tzara's Ayin is to develop an Ayin Tova. We're going to talk more about that. Ayin Tova is an intense way of seeing another person's success. Okay, it says in Mishle, Rikav at samos kin'a, The rotting of the bones is jealousy. That jealousy makes wow. the bones rot. That's Does anybody hear this? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like very, very intense again, because to get to the bones, you first have to get through the muscles and the tissues and everything else until it gets into the bones. So it's a very destructive, self-destructive type of emotion to have to go through life with and hold on to. So we don't want it. The same way we don't want to hold resentment and anger, like our last series, right? Because the only person it hurts and destroys is us, right? We don't want to hold on to jealousy. So um, also in in, uh, Mishle, in Tesva Pasuk Lamed, it says, Good news makes the bones supple. Hmm. So again, how you react to other people's good news will make the bones very, very healthy. And a Mishle-Chaf-based test, it says someone with a good eye will be blessed. So there's a lot of good reasons to try to develop this Ayin tovah. It also talks about the Nefesh Bracha, that a soul that blesses others will be healthy. And there's stories of great rabbis, right, who like would walk down the street and they'd say good morning to every house, like not the, even the person, you know, but just the idea of dispensing brachas as you go. And, you know, we can all do that if you go for a morning walk. Sometimes, you know, you walk down the street and you know your neighbors and you know what's going on in their house or some things. You know that they're having difficulty with this or that or illness or parnassa, and you can dispense brachas as you're walking around. And, and, and you know, it, it exercises that bone of tova of wanting good for others. Okay, so really, uh, Dina Skumaker says Shlomo Hamelach is like a, a therapist. He's telling us that your jealousy is ruining you, and if you want to be healthy, you have to have a good eye. That you have to let somebody else's good news make your day. So if you know, if you say to yourself, "I want to be happy with your good news," it helps with physical and emotional health. And she actually jokes that if you do an x-ray on a jealous person and you want to check them out for osteoporosis, it's a good preventative for osteoporosis to develop an ayatova And that will make your bones supple and and make them very healthy. So we have to realize that in our search for our own happiness is intertwined, that it's intertwined with other people's happiness. Do you say ach or amazing? So... Um, Your successes are good for me, for my health, and my belief that the world is a good place. Also, it frees me from my narcissistic place, and it helps me step out of the self and into your world. So she gives an image of people, you know, people love to climb mountains, right? I was just in Phoenix not so long ago. We had to climb a mountain, of course. I couldn't walk for like (laughs) a week afterwards. But... People like to climb mountains, so she's saying, what is that? Like, why is it that people like to climb a mountain and get to the top? And I got to the top, finally, and there were all these people there discussing, like, recipes. It was like, could you leave? <laughs> it took me two hours to get up here. Like, could we have a transcendental moment up here, you know? They should. They now have to have a sign at the top of any mountain. You call like, no cell phones allowed, you know? It's crazy. Anyway, yeah. but, you know, people... People go up a mountain, right? Because they want to feel their sense of smallness. They want to feel their the sense of the immensity of of the world around them, of the view. And they get this very exhilarating feeling. So, um, so she says, the psychology behind it is that you get a bigger view of the world where you are only a tiny dot. You know, when you're on an airplane, you can... Feel that way too often. When I look down, I say, "Wow, this is how Hashem sees us. Like we're all a bunch of the ants, but we think we're so important down there, right?" But this is the true perspective, sure. right? On the one hand, we are, but on the other hand, right? Anochi afar and bishalini raha olam. It's a very difficult balance to to walk with. But anyway, she says that when you get to the top of a mountain, it's exhilarating because you feel like. It's not just about me. It's not just about my coffee. It's not just about my feelings. And it releases all these good feelings when you're up there and you get perspective and you realize that, you know, it's about other people. And the more we, um, the more we recognize and, make, and get joy out of other people's good, the more we can, you know, feel good. It, it, and it's a work. It's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. And of course, there are things we want that other people have, and we can't help but feel, you know, why don't I have that? Why? Why? Yeah, go ahead, Charles.
1: So I was visiting a friend this past um,
0: this past week, and um, we were we were having a we were trying to have like a fun night because we each had different stresses. So she said, "I'm going to do something with you." She took me we went we walked to a park near her and there was snow all over the
1: ground it was freezing she's like we are lying down in the snow yeah. and we are looking up at the sky at the stars. So
0: it was a little bit cloudy, couldn't see yeah, the stars, right. and 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 it was really cool. Like in both senses, there was like oh, cool. did you make snow? <laughs> <laughs> did you make a snow angel? We did not. She got really freezing, but she said the world. like this. She's like the world is so big, and it just like
1: Opens and just new up. perspective. So if you, you don't serene. have a mountain, yeah, it was very
0: calming. It was very good. Yeah, even just looking up at the sky. Like we don't realize that we do not look up at the sky, right? And if you just, when you're walking or whatever, and you just That's stop and you look up at oh the sky, it. you know, it just, it, it's just It's so healing. If you ever
1: gone to a cottage where there's no streetlights and you see the stars? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, trees. it's amazing. amazing. There's nothing yeah. like All it. All of those things One are year. putting
0: things in perspective, and that brings joy, right? And also, you know, like... Uh, there's a Joni Mitchell song that I always quote. This verse yes. she says, "I love you when I forget about me." Mm-hmm. 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 Right? I love you when I forget about me because when you forget about you and your whatever, you melt into She's, the yeah. Was she with James Taylor at the time? I don't know. <laughs> no, you, can, you, can check that. you can Google that for us. Oh, Carly, no, you know, it was Carol
1: King. No, this is Joni no, Mitchell, our Canadian no, our Canadian folk Mitchell's singer Joni Mitchell the one from Out West, right? Yeah. Right. Carol King was with James Taylor. Yeah, right. but I'm You're talking about Carol Joni Mitchell.
0: She's talking about Joni Mitchell. Talking about oh, sorry. That's a big sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Big yellow taxi, sorry. Yeah, big yellow taxi, right. Okay, so you have to look at the big world around you, right? And let the good that is happening to others. Okay. So one way, another way for us to undo the negative conditioning that we all have is to pray that whatever we ask for, we should ask for others too. And we actually do this, right? Because And she gives examples. She said, could you let everyone's kid have a good year in school? Could you help everybody oh, find so a nice. shit off? Yeah, I want this for everyone, not just for me. Yeah, Whatever for sure. I want for me, well. you know, everybody wants that good. So, you know, it's also good to be specific, but... You know, look at, when I te- after I read this, when I teach at Yesode, right, and I was, like, really looking at the kids as they're walking down the hall, and I was thinking, you know, if I was each of those kids' parents, right, wouldn't I want my kid, like like she says, to be chenadik, you know, that the teachers like him, that the friends like him? You know, isn't that what every parent hopes, you know? And I just was kind of looking at them with a different eye, mm-hmm. You know as real and as all these hopes that every parent puts into right wanting good for their kids or whatever and you can apply that so in Shemona Asrei, right we say so again it's like the sweep of good fortune for everyone in Israel you know again it's this idea of positive interdependence We want to be happy for your good news. We want to, you know, fell over your excitement over something. So one of the homeworks that she gives is looking looking for the Tsaris Ayin, the ouch that you feel when you hear a happy news, and see if there's anybody that you have that with in your life. And, you know, start to uncondition yourself. (laughs) <laughs> and combat the negative with this sweep of wanting good for everyone. Okay, so
1: that's that's it's like when when they say you forgin for somebody mm-hmm. else, you know?
0: Like, yeah, that's the word. Yeah, that's You're just friggin. Friggin. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I mm-hmm. Right.
1: I I just find that um, I'll go to a wedding and the venue's beautiful and the decor is beautiful and the food is delicious and, and I'm like enjoying it vicariously through the bridal party and it disturbs me so much when i'll hear someone saying look how much money they put into this wedding and why do they need such a enormous centerpiece and why are they serving so much
0: food and i feel like mm. they're
1: you're you, you, they Enjoy didn't take it. it out of your pocket
0: uh-huh. you know just in, so, what do you think that's, that's motivated by? I, what,
1: what? I what? don't know what it is. I just like, I feel well, you bad. You're in invited. You're invited. You are a guest at someone's simcha. You have an obligation I'm so lucky to, to be miss some mea chatan that's your, that's your So right. that's on you. And then you hear people, all these mutterings about so how ostentatious. It's the wrong time and it place. It a conversation that we can have as a community, but it's the wrong time and place due to do it. It's someone specific. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, that's a right. good point. Right. Very good
0: point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But, and yeah, and it's taking away the joy. Right? I just, just like, yeah,
1: I just feel bad because, you know. They're your hosts. It's like going to somebody's house for Shabbos lunch and then complaining all the way home how <laughs> elaborate and how delicious the food was.
0: I, I, I think that's why, I'm telling you that I'm wrong, but I guess in Shill, when they give, when somebody has a, a happy moment, they give them the opportunity to lead to Like, I think that that kind of joy. It,
1: it's, it becomes infectious, like like if you. Uh-huh. We just had a simcha where we had like the, the so the father of the bar mitzvah
0: boy was the one who was like um, leading Zavni mm-hmm. You've got somebody who's that involved in simcha, you feel it, and then you relate to it, and mm-hmm. it makes your own feel a little bit yeah. coming yeah. from it's happiness. Intense. And it's also a very Jewish thing too that like we're supposed to feel like your simcha is yeah. our simcha, so yeah. people get involved. That's right? why there's, we say Muslims talk to each other, right? And also that idea, like you said, that we're coming to the to the we have a mitzvah to come to this. Simcha. Yeah, we are the ones who. It's, the onus is on us to make them happy. And of course, you know, to whatever degree we think that they're there for us, even more, more so, again, call the homer in a world where they don't have um, these ideas. So you go to a wedding or anything, and it's all about me right, and is the food good, and is this good enough, and is that good enough, and I didn't like her dress, and I you know, whatever, the point is, is that it's not about you, you're coming there to be misamir, you have a mitzvah to go and make them happy, and listen, it's not always easy, and you, you know, they talk about these girls sometimes, that they see their friends getting married, and they're not getting married, and it's, it's a very difficult thing mm-hmm. to try and be happy, it's your, you know, you it's a very difficult mm-hmm. avoda. And, you know, the, the Torah recognizes it, it says that it's much more easy to feel another person's pain, to go to a funeral, mm-hmm. to sit at a shiva so with true. other people, people than it funerals. is to go to a wedding okay, where somebody's wedding. getting married and you don't have that, right? And to feel not, you know, to, 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 to not feel bitter and sad and all the other Emotions that come—it's—it's a—it's difficult, difficult avoda. And again, Hashem is not judging anybody because He knows the difficult avoda that He puts us in, whatever our personal scenarios are. And again, He's just wanting us to try and work on it, right? Because that work is what elevates us, what makes us greater, and and develops our soul, and. Anyway, okay, let's go on. So, <clears throat> so, I don't know if I mentioned that. We said, we said that when Rabbi Akiva's students died, it says in the Gemara that the world was left desolate. And um, and it was because they didn't treat each other with kavod, of course. And in Medrash Kohalas Yud Aleph Rava it says that after the death of the 24,000 students, Rabbi Akiva set up seven Talmidim, to continue his learning. And he says to these later Talmidim, my first students died because they didn't show kavod to each other. You should not be like this. And it says because of this admonition or this reminder, they got up and they filled Eretz Yisroh with Torah. And she likens it to after the generation of the Holocaust, that the world was left desolate, again, of Torah. And, you know, just like the post-Holocaust generation had to refill the world with Jews and recreate a world that was lost, that's basically what these Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva were doing, because the world had become completely desolate. So, Saras Ion leaves the world desolate. This is just another way of looking at it. Saras Ion leaves the world empty. And the tikkun that these students did was to fill the world with tar- Torah. Tsaris ayin is not wanting people to have good, but it's also the idea that I don't want them to share my glory. I want to hoard, hoard all the good for me. I want success to stay in my court. So emptiness is the result of not wanting to share success and goodness with others. Okay. But these students did the opposite. They filled the world with Torah. So they give another example of this in the Gemara Yerushalmi, Perak Yud. There was a student, Elisha Hanavi had a student named Gahazi, And it says about Gehazi that he did not have a chilek in Olam Haba because of three terrible midos, one of which was Tsaris Ayin. Okay, what did he do? He would sit outside the yeshiva, he was Elisha's student, and others would see him sitting outside the yeshiva, and they would say, wait a second, if if this um, gahazi is Elisha's most coveted student, he's like the greatest of all his students, and he's sitting outside the base medrash, then call the homer, who are we to go into the base medrash and learn from Elisha? So beca- by sitting outside, and I don't know how we could put this into modern terms, he basically made everybody else keep their distance based on this assumption and why did he do this because he wanted to hoard the privileges of being the sole and exclusive student of alicia and it says because of him people could not learn torah okay torah is meant to be shared etc okay i want to go on to a different idea
1: that's Um, that's that's would be the modern version of, of manipulation and um yeah um, just not wanting somebody calculating just to make yourself the favorite
0: one and you could see it probably with like adolescent girls like yeah, teenage or even girls. even
1: you know married even daughters who are competing and saying they're they're the best daughter they're the, mm-hmm, you know like mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah, should have more daughters yeah how many do you have Two. <laughs> two's, uh, two's plenty. Two's plenty. <laughs> plenty. it
0: should take a lot of emotional <laughs> No, work I love my girls. I love my
1: girls. I live for my girls and my boys. I love them
0: all. Okay, um, so I wanted to go on to another idea. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this idea that, you know... Um, there is such an idea of Hasagas hagvul. Does everybody know that idea in mm-hmm. Halacha? No. Okay, so that's setting mm-hmm. up like, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, obviously, I think I mentioned this, but if there's a business, like a shoe store, right? Oh, right. And somebody opens up a shoe store across the street, it's a Halacha kshayla. Are you allowed to open up a shoe store right across from me? I mean, I have bitachon and Hashem. I know that you can't take away one hair's breadth of what's coming to me. But on the other hand, what are you doing, right? Mm -hmm. So there are halachas dealing with that. And sometimes it's not okay because the demographics of the place and the number of people who need shoes, it's not right. That you are definitely, you know, causing the other person anxiety and halakhically it's not right but in a big city where there's a lot of competition and businesses a lot of times you know it's okay like remember those laffas dr laffa yeah whoa that was like (laughs) really i don't know i don't know know if that was yeah there's a lot of that you know so a a torah god-fearing person would be asking a shayla and We can assume that if they are a Torah God-fearing person who asked a Shiloh and they were allowed to set up. Now, it was never a Shiloh with Jews for Judaism and Jews for Yashki, right? They they opened up, I remember a long time ago, right? They were so clever. They opened up right next to Jews for Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, so I just joke. I think that's like the epitome of... You know, they're not in competition necessarily. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they, put, they put it right next door. Okay. But so they
1: were buying for the same people. They were.
0: They were, they were but the gym I'm gym saying, gym but, it, gym, you know, right? there we could see and that. I didn't
1: know that some of them that didn't know they were Jews or they were like, Don't they were go in there.
0: Come on into our store first, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. They set up right we're next door. They're doing construction Wait, there. Before that's you that's go better. in there, <laughs> our coffee's better. Right. <laughs> what was this for Judaism? What's their idea? Their idea is to try and get Jews out of uh, Messianic Judaism. So the, the first Jews for Jesus opened up in some strip mall, I think, in Thornhill. Maybe that, that one right on Steeles, right? No, there,
1: there was Leonard Shepard, and, yeah, exactly. and Yeoman. So Jews
0: for Judaism are Jews that are trying to bring Jews back thing. to Judaism instead of oh, taking so on another religion. Oh, so they, they, yeah, so they literally opened up <laughs> next door, and they it's would stand mad, outside and say, you know, <laughs> before you go to your, a religion that isn't yours, why don't you come check out your <laughs> So that was part of it. Okay, so there's a Mishnah in Avos that you're all familiar, familiar with, Perik Dalid. It says, who is the honored person? And we know the answer is the one who honors other people, right? So... <clears throat> And it says, Ezehu Ashir, the person who's happy with his lot. Okay, I want to go through all of them. Okay, Ezehu Gibor, the one who's Koveish Es Yitzro, right? The one who overcomes his Yitzro Hara. And Ezehu Chacham, one who learns. (laughs) Halomed, good, you'll do the Hebrew for me. And Ezehu Mechubad, Ha Mechabed Es Ati Puro, probably who who respects his his friend, so. But not his enemy. Sorry, is that yeah, no, it, not it doesn't say that. So the Jewish view of these ideas is very different than this Mishnah and Pirkei Avos, right? Because the Jewish, I mean, the non-Jewish view, this the secular idea out there would be, you know, who is rich, Aza Hu sheer well, the person with the most money in his bank account, obviously, he's the rich one, right? And who is strong? Well, the person that has a certain BMI, you know, his body mass index is like. And who is smart? Well, somebody with a very high IQ. That's, you know, he went to Harvard and then he did another degree and another degree and another degree. He's the smart one. And so when you have this kind of um, definitions, so you have a society that's divided between the haves and the have-nots. And the Maharal says that the way that we look at it is that everyone can have these mitos. Everyone could be rich. Everyone could be smart. Everyone could be honored. Everyone could be strong. Because it's not, a, it's, not, it's, it's not part of a subjective value system, but they're intrinsically a part of you. So anyone can own these. So what is the answer in the Mishnah? You want to be rich? Well, you've got to be happy with what you have. Right, the rich person is the one who is sameach bechelko, who is happy with his portion. You want to be strong? Well, it's not about going to the gym and lifting weights. Start becoming strong by overcoming your yetsahara, right? Whatever your particular yetsahara is, whatever drags you down, whatever gets you upset, whatever tries, whatever voice it is, right? The yetsahara has a very strong voice. We need to recognize that the Yitzhahara never quits, right? It says that when you get up at five after eight, the Yitzhahara was already up at quarter to eight, right? <laughs> and he's already out of bed and dressed and showered, and he's ready to go, right? <laughs> and you're like, ah, oh, I'm so tired. Yeah. You know, the point is, it's like you've already lost, uh-huh. right? The, the Yitzhahara, and every time you defeat your Yitzhahara, right, if you read Rob Dustler's whole Picture of the Sahara, Masilas Isharim, Every time you defeat the Yitzhar, you create you create an even stronger Yitzhar, right? It's just like I say, like if you go to the gym and you lift five pounds for your whole life, like are you going to build any muscles? No. But as soon as you start adding on weights, obviously it takes more energy, more more you know stress, etc. But that's how you build muscle. So if the same is true with spiritual growth. You can't um grow spiritually unless there's some kind of force that is trying to prevent you and it's only by resisting that force and overcoming it that we grow that we develop wow. ourselves spiritually I love that yeah it's
1: a great concept and
0: that's why the whole idea too is that if you continue to lift the same amount of weights you know that's not that you're not growing you're, you're just staying at the same yeah, place, if that's even possible. That's
1: you're well, mm-hmm. you're sort of maintaining,
0: you're maintaining a baseline, right? But you're not really growing, and our whole purpose in this world is to grow. But when you pick up that new weight, or when you move up, you know, I give the example of a bal tshuva, right? So a person who's pre-bal tshuva, you know, if they ate at McDonald's their whole life, so the first few times after they've made this decision, actually Rabbi Hech talked about that moment, if anybody was in shuol, yes that moment where he was becoming from, and he had started to take on a lot of things, but it was Shabbos, and he was with a whole bunch of friends who were not necessarily taking it that seriously, and they were all going into a cab to go to a different place in Manhattan where there was some party going on on Friday night, and he said he was standing there, and he was about to get in, and he said to himself, and you could imagine the fight and the, the desire for the Yetzir Hara. Because I tell Jews, I say, don't you understand? The Yetzir Hara doesn't want you to be growing spiritually. It's very happy when you're just on, you know, what's, what's it pilot. On autopilot, right? Or, you know, not even realizing that there is no such thing as autopilot. Spiritual growth is like walking up and down escalator. Okay. It takes a lot which of... fun. It, it is. is which <laughs> is fun, right? You have the right... right? So I you do gotta, the, you have, to have the right, you have to have the right attitude, right? But what happens when you stop or you get tired? <laughs> you draw. Ooh, right? And, and the, the muster masters will say there is no such thing as standing still in this world. The same way everything is in motion, right? There's no such thing as the planets just stopping, Everything is in motion. We are also always in motion. And we're either going up the down escalator or we're going... And, you know, it doesn't mean that we never take time to rest or take our foot off the gas pedal and just enjoy our accomplishments. But we always have to get back into the ring because, again... It's only when, you know, if a person says, you know, I don't think I have a Yetzirah, you know, like, I, I don't know, I don't feel it, I don't know that I have it. A lot of times it's because, well, are you trying to up your game at all, right? If you're not trying to up your game, then, of course, it's it's very happy, it's very quiet. It's saying, oh, good, she's dead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> she, you know, just got that one, got that pawn Shaked off the, the board. Body. Right? Uh-huh. So, you know, it's that's what it is. It's like finding places in our life, or when we feel that conflict, we should know that it's the Yetzir Hara. Right? It says there's two voices of the Yetzir Hara. The, the Yetzir Hara either is the voice of, I'm good enough. I mean, look at those... Slamil's over there, right? <laughs> I'm so much higher than they are. Look at what I do. I do all this stuff. I do chesed, I do this, I do that. I go to shul every Shabbos, whatever it is I do, and look, they don't do that. I'm much more Jewish. I'm much more, you know, whatever I am. That's the voice of the Eight Sahara. The other voice of the Eight Sahara, which is equally damaging, is ha. Huh? You said you weren't going to speak Lush and Hara anymore. Well, I heard you. I heard you last night at the party. Why don't you just give it up, okay? Why don't you just give it up because you are never, never going to get there. You're the biggest blabbermouth around, right? And you just love, love the juicy it. gossip, right? So this is the two voices, basically. And so we have to, when we're aware, we can, we can hopefully recognize when they're and how And what the strategy is. Because that, again, Hashem created the Yetzirah. We don't have a Christian idea, right? That the the Satan is fighting God, right? And who's going to win? This is a very Christian idea. The Jewish idea is that the Satan is in the service of God. And it is there to make us grow and develop ourselves spiritually. And so it doesn't get vanquished until the day we die. And it's there some... Rabbi's right. It's very scary, but it's there till your last breath trying to make you wow. resent, regret all of the mitzvahs that you did in your life and all of the good stuff that you did. I mean, it's a very scary picture. I, I, like, I try not to believe that, but, yeah. but I've read it a few places. But the point is, is it never gives up until the day that we... So it's a, it's a constant work. Okay, let me just finish this idea. So the Maharal says, you know, all of these things are in your hands. You want to be strong, start overcoming your Hara. You want to be honored? The answer is honor others. It doesn't say the one who is honored is the one who receives the most honor from others. Mm-hmm. Now, wouldn't you think, I mean, that would be the term, right? The one who's honored is the one who everybody you know wants to make a dinner for and wants to you know wants to sit next to that's the one who's honored mm-hmm. someone with a high status in society but it doesn't say this the maharal says it doesn't say a person it doesn't say a person is honored if others respect him because that's not something that's in our control all of these things are not in our control how much money we have in our bank whether we're going to be strong right whether we're going to be, um, well, happy, okay, no, no, I'm saying whether we're going to be honored. But what is in our control is that we can decide how we're going to treat others. We're the ones who decide. And it's the one who gives kavod to others, the one who has their own sense of the dignity of themselves, of Ben Adam, of the godless of a human being, The one who's generally honored is the one who gives honor to others, the true kind of honor, right? So you have to be honor-worthy yourself in order to see the spark of dignity in others and show it to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? The person himself is dignified, it's intrinsic. We know he has it because he sees the dignity in others. And that was the problem with the Tomidim. They were lacking inherent dignity, otherwise they would have given honor to each other. So the person who is really honored, it's not that, you know, I'm waiting for other people to honor me and recognize me. It's that, again, the Maharal saying, you don't have to give that power to other people. It's not something external. It's something that you decide by virtue of the fact of that you have your own sense of your own dignity and because it because it's so real, you can't help but see it in other people, and so you're mechabit other people that al-okim, if you like, that makes us all created in the image of God, and that naturally makes people honor you. Okay, so that's the idea. Um, how are we doing with time?
1: Ten twenty one.
0: Okay, so again. He says, um, Rabbi Weissman says <coughs> Kavod They didn't they misunderstood Kavod. They basically were saying if I see someone who has more than me, then I won't be as respected as much. You know, she says you can make this example even, you know, just with women in everyday life, you know. You're a big balas chesed, and everyone knows that. But then another big chesed doer moves into the neighborhood, right? You were the challah lady of Toronto. Everybody knew (laughs) your challahs were the best. You had the best recipe. And all of a sudden, you know, whatever, Miss whoever from Israel comes into town, and she knows how to make challahs better than you. And now you feel diminished because you feel like, you know, my kabod is limited. Now they're giving it to her instead of me and I'm diminished because of it. I used to be the one that was the best at that. I was the one that made the best cheesecake, and now my recipe's in the shpacha, and everybody can make my cheesecake, right? Or the people who literally will leave out an ingredient in a recipe, right? (laughs) There are people like that, right? Like really weird, right? Why do they leave out an ingredient? They don't want you to have their recipe, because then who am I going to be? I won't be the cheesecake maker. You know, you will have... There are people who really do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> My mother used to tell me all yes. the time. She did. By yes. marriage.
1: I had an aunt uh, who, who used to do that. So she'd leave out, let's say, the baking powder so it wouldn't right. rise. Or let's it's a, real. Or they something. say they're not gonna share. I'm going, What do you mean you're not gonna share? I know. Like, <laughs> I know it's a it's a silly <laughs> it's recipe. Really, but no, it's a family recipe. See, but you can imagine that about. it comes
0: from a place, right, that's saying well, like, like no, Amina's this is our that. pride. This is what for makes the, me feel better than you, you on some level. And I can't have you having the same serving the same cheesecake that I it's a stinginess, right? It's a stinginess. And that's what Sarus is, right? It's a narrow eye. It's a stinginess towards other people. I don't want you to have what I have. Because somehow that will make me diminished. Mm -hmm. That will make me feel less. And that's the feeling that, you know, we want to go through the week and look. Is there people in your life that make you feel like, ugh. Well, I'm less than because you have A, B, or C, right? Yeah. This is the feeling that we all have, and it doesn't matter where we are in life. It doesn't matter. From your view, you're looking at somebody, you go, oh, how could they be missing anything? They seem to have it all. But as we said, jealousy doesn't, it's it, it goes to everybody. You could be the wealthiest with the best-dressed mm-hmm. kids, with the, everything working out perfectly right. in your life, and you can be riddled with jealousy because, again, it's, it's what do we say? One of the definitions was you're busy counting other people's blessings mm-hmm. instead of your own. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And when you do that, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. So we all we all have okay, so let's just get to the end of this idea so that we can start with a new one. Or maybe this is a new one.
1: Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Um I'm in a situation. Where I mean, you know, I don't have to spell my life, it's pretty much all over the community. But, um, I've had a lot of challenges in my life. Um, I'm still mm-hmm. like, I have a happy soul, so borrow Hashem for that. Absolutely. And, uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.